one of those that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want us to believe that the Lord who brought us here tonight as a reason for bringing us together. In the process of getting ready for today, I want us to journey with me tonight that for the mere fact you're where you are tonight was not an accident. How many of us believe that living up to today is by design? Everything visible experiences in our lives were preordained by God. Tonight, we're going to bow down our heads to pray as we share. I want us to speak to the Lord tonight. to commune with our Father. The God who knew you are going to be here tonight. Many of us have a thousand reasons not to be here, but you chose to be here. Not you, it is God who designed it to be so. This is one of the most critical places to be. Let's bow down our heads as we say to the Lord, Lord, let me fulfill the purpose of my existence. Lord, let me fulfill the purpose of my existence. The reason why you have brought me to the world. The reason why you have protected me from all evil. The reason you have sustained me, led me in every direction I've ever been. Fulfill it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we just release ourselves to you tonight. Thank you, Father, tonight. The Lord of glory, we give you praise tonight. We exalt you and we magnify you. Blessed be your name tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father of light, the maker of heaven and earth, the giver of good gifts, the God of knowledge, the God who weighs actions, the God who Nothing is invisible, impossible to the God who is the Lord over all. Moses said, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. You are our home, you are our abiding place. Tonight, we come before you, holding our hearts to you. And one more time, I want to experience your glory. One more time. When we experience the touch of your spirit, one more time, move in this place. Speak to our hearts tonight. In these few 
period of communicating with one another, let there be an infusion of divine grace of God. I pray that our understanding will be enlightened tonight. Let the word not pass us by. May the Lord not pass us by. May his will be revealed to us in clear-cut terms in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come against every absurdity or every confusion. We resist that spirit. We receive clarity in our hearts and in our spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen tonight. Throughout this week, as I ponder I came to a conclusion that everything visible and invisible is a product of intent. I'm going to repeat myself. Everything visible and invisible is a product of intent. Hence, Intent could be one of the most powerful words we could ever see. The word intent also means design. It also means a blueprint. It also means a purpose. Cross-referencing that word also means meaning. And it occurred to me from scriptures that God walks with intent. In every circumstance, God walks with intent. There is no divine activity without an intent. I'm beginning a series tonight, discovering the divine plan of God. Discovering the divine plan of God for our lives. It's a series. If you will agree with me, everything in existence from nature to human comes with intent. Intent. There have been a lot of misinformation about the existence of the word, a man. We all went through some degree of information about evolution. how different levels of evolution was explained by a man who could not see beyond his own nose ribs. He was a man. Propounded and further established by other men, the theory of evolution. 
But I have this to say to us tonight. If indeed all of us, particularly as human, actually came from a different species, by now we should have been in a progressive evolution. I'm not sure the evolution experienced a particular, you know, static motion at a point in the process of evolution. From the description of evolution by now, we should be evolving into something else. But we haven't. That in itself puts to question some of the theories of evolution. Tonight is not for me to go to evolution. But I want us to see that. That the, one of the greatest mistakes out of science and knowledge is to beat down on what the intent of God is in creation. Genesis chapter 1 tells us how the word was made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Simple and straightforward. The entire creation began with God. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what I believe. And that's what is the truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Out of God's creation emerge humans. We all understand the description in the book of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. Every day, how God produced and brought into being different creation. But you see, my focus tonight is not just the fact that God created the world and the things that are in it. My focus is the fact that there was nothing that was created without a purpose. Now, I'm going to add something to it. Everything was created in its appropriate time. I don't know if you have noticed that. In the process of creation, God did not just create. He created everything in its appropriate time. How did I say that? Do we remember that in the book of Genesis chapter 1, before God created the seas and the sea creatures, God first of all separated the waters from the land. He separated, he created a place for the waters. Now, produce the sea creatures that was going to be in the waters. Have we ever thought about it? That God could have created every imaginable sea creatures without water? Where would they be? That is the wisdom of the God we serve. It does not just create. It creates when it is right. Additionally, I also observed that as much as God's creation came in at its appropriate time, God also specified intent of every creation. I'll give us an example. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 verse 16 that the Lord made the light. We remember verse 3, and the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, in verse 16, the scripture says, and the Lord God made the light. And he created the greater light and the lesser light. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. I want us to underline our Bible the word to rule. 
In other words, the creation came. God could have made the same degree of light for both day and night, but he did not. Because in the day, you need it to be as bright as possible. And at night, because of the way God has governed humans, have we noticed that because we are the governors over the earth, that generally your body wants to go to rest at night. I don't even know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And God decided not to give you the bright day sun at night. He gave us the lesser light at night. Purpose. Intent. I want to say to us tonight, we've been called by God to live a life of meaning. And that tells me something tonight, that you are not an experiment. I'm going to explain myself. You are not what? An experiment. Let me try him out. No. You were created with an intent. An experiment is a trial that will help us to be able to come up with some kind of creation that has been tested and tried. But we are not experiments. You were created with a design in mind. You were created with a purpose in mind. You were created with a mission. You were created with a divine pattern in God's heart before you were sent to the world. Let me drive it home. God does not look at you in a crowd. God does not look at you in the context of your nativity. God looks at you in the context of his purpose for your life. That's why none of us is a number. We are a people sent by God, posted to specific places in the world to affect our area of domain for good. In my study, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, let's see what the scripture says there. In Jeremiah, chapter 1, this is what the Lord said to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, chapter 1, the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah, a young man. He said to him, Thus, then the word of the Lord came to me, verse 4, saying, I want us to read together, Before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. <laughs> Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. May I ask a question tonight? What did God know about Jeremiah? Why did the scripture says before you were formed in the belly of your mother, I knew you. What did he know? David understood this very well. He said, before my frames were formed, you knew me. Before my frames were what? Were put together. You knew me. That's why he says, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. It does not matter what people say about me. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I love the word fearfully. In other words, I'm a creation of fear. What does that mean? God has placed in your creation the intimidating power to conquer every situation. I'm fearfully made. When you are placed, the original place of God's intent for your life, you have the capacity to take authority and to take dominion where God has placed you. It says, I've been wonderfully made. In other words, when the purpose of God in my life finds expression, I have become a wonder. Hallelujah. That's why the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 8, it says, I and the children whom the Lord has given to me, we are for what? We are for signs and for wonders. In other words, when we take our place in destiny, we become a wonder. God wants to make you a wonder. A wonder in different ways. A wonder in touching the lives of people. A wonders in occupying your place in, in God's program for your life. A wonder. In other words, you may not look like it, but there is something that God has placed on the inside of you. It has been placed there by God for you to become a wonder in your generation. Let's study together tonight the book of Proverbs. I want us to read this scripture in Proverbs chapter 19. Serious scripture. Proverbs chapter 19 in verse 21. I'm going to first of all read King James and then I'll read my version. It says, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I like the arrangement of that sentence. It says, there are many devices. In other words, there are many schemes. There are many plans. In a man's heart, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Another version will say, that will prevail. My version here says, a man's, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. How many of us know from this scripture, it's one of the most critical things that I've ever seen. It says, there are many plans. Your desires may be many. Your schemes may be many. This is but it's a counsel. There is a divine design. There is a purpose in the heart of God. And the Bible says that will stand. Now I want us to see from these scriptures when we have many plans and they are not fitting into God's divine purpose, we experience frustration. If we have many schemes and they are not 
in the line with God's divine program for our lives, we experience an unbelievable frustration. But the Bible says there is a counsel. And that leads me to something. If there should be anything any of us seeks after, we need to seek after understanding, knowing, discovering the counsel of God for our lives. Let me move further tonight. I've had many questions from people saying, so what happens to those who are not born again? Does God have a purpose for their lives? Yes, he does. Yes, it does. I'm going to divide this into two sections tonight. There is what you call the generic plan, and there is what you call the specific plan of God. The generic plan of God is what we read in the book of Genesis, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That brings me to a point. God has a plan of salvation. God has a plan for everyone on earth today. Maybe scientifically, it's also important for us to know that even though we have about 6.7 billion on earth today, each of us are different from one another. We are. The reason why the Lord wants us to begin the new year in this direction is because it is possible to live and not know why you're living. It is possible to have everything that life has got to offer you, but you're not fulfilled. When a man discovers God's purpose, he's fulfilled. In God's purpose, there are many things that are not associated with it scripturally. God's purpose brings peace. Tonight we're going to take a look at scriptures tonight. I want us to read the story left for us by the man called Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want us to read what he said. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Let's see what he said here. And then I'll go to chapter 1 after that. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. What has this man got to tell us? We remember him? Wonderful man, the son of David. But he had done a thousand wives. Built a castle. He was one of the foremost men that had built a temple for the Lord. Started well. But got derailed. I believe that when Solomon was closing to the time of his death, he looked back and he had a lot of regrets. That is why it's important to make right decisions when your regrets are few in life. There will be time when the regrets are too enormous to make amends. Let's take a look at what he said. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 in verse 3. Let's see what he said. He says, if a man begets 100 children, do we see that? Now, in the context of many of us, if a man has many children, isn't that a wonderful thing? Right? It says, <laughs> if he got many children, wonderful. 
It says, and lives many years. I mean, this is what we hold VGs for. God, give me long life. Is that not true? But the Bible is saying here, wonderful to live many years. So that the days of his years are many. But his soul is not satisfied with goodness. Goodness there, if you check from the original, it's not just talking about money. It's talking about fulfillment. He's not satisfied. He's not fulfilled. He has not found purpose. He has not found the original intent of God for his life. If he has not experienced goodness, or indeed he has no barrier, I say that a stillborn is better than him. Do we understand what the scripture is saying here? It's saying that a man, he lives many years, he's got many children, he's got everything you could consider to call in a natural success. The Bible says if he misses out on the most important thing, it will have been better for him to have died as a steeple. Serious scripture. In other words, I want to challenge all of us tonight to take this season that we're sharing together. We're going to spend time until something breaks forth out of our lives. Having prayed that the Lord will give us divine ideas, tools to use, to reach into the very core of the divine purpose of God for our lives. We must be angry with living every day just to be like other people. This is one of the heroes with Israel. Israel wanted to be like every other nation, not knowing the purpose of God for that nation. In other words, many of us will live like neighbors, we will live like family members, we will live like friends if we have not discovered the reason why we're living. We will take identity from other people. How many of us have noticed, even from Hollywood, many of us see Golden Globe, World, what do they call it? Um, Grammy Award. Have you noticed that in spite of the punch and pageantry and the money that these people have, have you noticed that they take their pride on who is the designer for their clothes? Their pleasure comes from who designed that clothes. It's a special honor to know who designed what you're wearing. Do you see where they're taking their identity? That's why I am not surprised that in no time, many of them are caught in drugs. They are caught in alcoholism. They are caught in all sorts of vices. Why? Because they have no personal discovery of why they live. They have money. They have fame. But they have failed where it matters. May the Lord make us get it where it matters. When a man discovers purpose, you have found it where it matters. Because there are many things in life that are great, but they are not necessary for your life. Let me tell us what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 3. This I am not going to quote. I want us to read Matthew chapter 3. Let's read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. Glory to God tonight. Glory to God tonight. Hallelujah. Sorry, John chapter 6. That's it, chapter 3. This is one of the th teachings of Jesus. John chapter 6. I want us to read with me in verse 25. John chapter 6, verse 25. 
I want everybody to be there before I read. Are we ready? Jesus said, therefore, I said to you, do not be perturbed. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. I want us to read the next sentence. To me, it's one of the most thoughtful sentences I've ever read. Let's read together. It's not life more than food. I like in James. And raiment, hallelujah, is life not more. Does that sound like everything we see around us? Does that sound like it? No. It says it's life not more than food and raiment. In other words, there has to be more to life itself than any of these things that we consider to be life. Is it good to eat? I tell you, it is wonderful, particularly if you have good food. It's good. Is it good to wear clothing? If you have worn, nobody's going to stop you wearing whatever the Lord has provided you. Wear it. But the Lord is saying, get good food, look heavy. In midst of all of that, there is something about life we must discover. There is not food, there is not raiment. In other words, don't summarize your life. In your ability to be able to have food and raiment. Have we noticed that many times, many of our competitions is in what we can wear. Who has a better attire than the other? The Bible is saying that in itself is a misappropriation of what life means. Life is far more than raiment and than food. May the Lord open the eyes of every one of us tonight. May we discover the reason why we live. Joseph, a young man at 17, was by his father, was, um, I want to use the right word, was um, decorated. His father provided him an attire of many colors, we read. And in the East, many of us know a tile of many color is to actually identify a child as a special child. It was a sign of honor and dignity. But do you know, if Joseph's life had been based on what was put on him, it would have been ruined and wrecked. There was more that Joseph saw than remained. His brother's, his brother's assessment were on the assessment on what the father did, the raiment that the father gave to him. But Joseph had found something deeper than the raiment. He wore the coat of many colors, but the coat of many colors was not in his mind. What was in his heart was the dream of God. May the Lord give you a dream tonight. That in spite of the fact that you have the coat of many colors, anything can take the coat of many colors away. The economy may come and take colors of many col the coat of many colors. But you know what? You can remove a man's attire. You can never get rid of his dream. I'm telling you, your dream, the purpose of God for your life will outlive every attire, every, 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 you know, every coat of many colors. It's critical to get to this point. That God may break forth in our lives as individuals. That we may find the reason for our existence. And that we may live in the context 
of divine program of God for our lives. I read this story of a woman, an older woman, that's why I'm praying that the Lord will send us women of Zion again in the body of Christ. It, it's all right to celebrate all our ministers and wonderful men of God, but you know what we need again? We need those women, those who have found their purpose in God, those who know their honors in God, those who can stand before God and pray until the glory of God breaks forth in our midst again. Remember this old woman? She, she was honored later because God deliberately wanted men to know what she's been doing. Anytime she got the itinerary since Billy Graham started his ministry, this woman picked up that young man's and he said, and she said to herself, she was going to pray until God was glorified. They were not related in any way, in any form. Billy Graham did not even know her. She knew why she was living. She said to us, this is why God has placed me for a season like this. How many of us know there are men and women like that? Do you remember that a man called Simeon was living just to see Jesus before he passed away? He said, now let thy servant do what? Depart in peace. He was living just for that reason. Thank you, oh God, for allowing your servant to see such a time like this. The Holy Spirit kept him alive to see Jesus. What am I saying tonight? This woman made up her mind. She was going to pray. She knew the reason why she was living. She picked up Billy Graham. Billy Graham did not know. She started praying for him. Every meeting he had, he, she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. The man would go there with tremendous souls coming to the kingdom. He wouldn't know how and why. But there was a woman who would spend her life praying, spending time to just see the glory of God breaking forth. I want to see those set of women in our days. I want to see those women who are not bothered about the things of this life. Who have found purpose. I remember another story of a man of God who came on a revival meeting to a church. A young man came for a revival meeting. And there were older women in that church. They sat down. They listened to the young man the first night. And after the meeting was over, they called him and said, can we pray together? They went to the basement of the church. I think they were about close to 10 women. They prayed from that time till 5 a.m. the following day after the revival was over. The young man looked at them and said, <laughs> this woman, <laughs> what are they doing here? They did that every day. Nothing happened the first day other than people clapped and applauded the message of the man. But you know what happened the following day? When the man stood where he was about to speak, as he lifted his hand and spoke, there was a man in that place that the man had been messing up with the church for a long time. But this man was new. He was invited. He didn't know anybody. He just stretched his hand, and as he pointed his hand, he was saying exactly what the man was doing. The man stood up and said, what did I do? He was in, on the fire. The fire of God came upon him. He came to the front and started to cry for his sins. You know what happened? People started to stand up in the church. Everybody started coming. We're sorry. Jesus, forgive us. The power of God came upon that church. The revival broke out in that place. People started trooping in. Four hours, five hours before the service would start, the whole place would be packed. Outside would be packed. Why? Because some people found purpose. They know why they were leaving. They were not looking for the applause of men. They were looking for the purpose of God in their lives. What a way to live a life. What a way to discover why we're living. And what a way to discover what God wants us to be in our lives. Hallelujah. Now, many of us may not see this, but many of us remember Mother Teresa. 
A short woman. She probably was four feet something, according to the story that I had. Four feet. Short woman. She looked at herself with her position. She wasn't supposed to do what she needed, what she was doing. She left everything. She went to India to deal with those who had wounds, those who were who were wretched and poor. She would be on the street with them, cleaning their wounds and the sores on their legs. She everything she had, whatever she she was sent to, she had only one. According to what I'm not sure whether this story was true, she had only one remedy. She just wash and clean it and wash and wear it again. And she would go by the street side. All those lepers, she would clean up their hands, you know, get them dressed. And that's what she lived for. That was what she lived for. We need to have a new concept of the kingdom. We need to have a, a reorientation of why God has sent us into the kingdom. We must not lose our place. And may I say this to you tonight? We have not been brought into the kingdom for competition. No! It's a misunderstanding of the purpose of God for our lives. God wants us to have a clarity. You know what I found? We're different from one another. And God has given to each of us gifts, talents, graces by which he wants to be glorified in our lives. May I say it one more time again tonight? No one is substandard to the other. As far as God is concerned, God is going to give it the same honor that is given to those who have millions of people in their churches. If you're doing what God has called you to do. Be obedient to his call. Understand why you're in the kingdom. There are many people who are not interested in, in the applause, but they have found the place on their knees. I have met so many men who have made up their mind. They knew that God wanted them to be intercessors. Day and night, that's what they do. People don't know them. But you know, I'm going to say this again. I think I've said it before. When we get to heaven, there will be surprises in heaven. There will be what? Surprises in heaven. Many surprises in heaven. Many surprises. Because I've found that when a man finds his place, do you remember Jesus? He gave out, he was describing the, the parable of, of the talents. A man was going on a journey, gave five talents to one man, two to another, and one to another. When he came back, he did not demand for two from a man whom he gave one. No. The master was asking for just for them to trade with it and get an 100% result. In other words, as far as the master was concerned, the man that was given five, it was because his capacity could handle five. The man that was given one, it was because his capacity could handle one. Do you know what happened? They all could have been rewarded the same way. The parameters of God for reward is different from man's parameters. We reward based on grades. You did the best. You didn't do well. But you know how God rewards? God rewards on the basis of obedience. May I say it again? God rewards on the basis of obedience. Did you obey what you have been told to do? May the Lord bless us tonight. Now that brings me to a point. Don't you think it's, a, it's critical for us to know why we're we? So that when we see him face to face, we'll be able to tell him, this is what I have done. And he'll be able to reply to us, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. May we enter into our rest in the name of Jesus. Let me take us through this tonight. And then I will pray. I'm going to begin this, but I'm not going to finish tonight. 
There are a few questions we need to ask ourselves to discover the divine purpose of God for our lives. Number one, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Psalm 37 tonight in verse 4. Psalm 37 in verse 4. Lord, ignite a new fire in our hearts, O oh God. Teach us to walk with you. Find our place in you. In the name of Jesus. Psalm 37. The Bible says here, delight yourself also in the Lord. And it shall give you the desires of your heart. I believe tonight that one of the ways to discover the very purpose of God for our lives is to understand what is your deepest desire. What makes you sleep at night and yet it's as though you are awake? What makes you to be in the midst of the crowd yet it's as though you're hearing an invisible voice of God saying, this is what I've called you to do. Desire. Deep desire. You've tried many times to wave it away. Many of us have thought time will wave it away, but time never did it. The desire was so strong in our hearts, and we knew it. In fact, many times when you try to share what the Lord has placed in your heart, it does not make meaning to somebody next to you. They're wondering, what are you thinking about? Desire. Desire. And many of our desires were born out of the things that the Lord has delivered us from. I mean, I must know what I'm talking about. You were delivered from something, somehow God placed a desire in your heart to see others delivered in that direction. Deep desire. Deep desire. Number two. Very close to what I just said now. What is it that steers your passion? What is it that steers your passion? Passion is zeal. It's enthusiasm. It's an excitement. It's an intensity that you feel about things that are important to you. It will steer you to action anytime you think about it. May I say it another way? What is it that bothers you most? Maybe it's a clue to what God has planned for your life. I have seen sisters and brothers who have an unquenchable desire for children. They just love to see children train in the way of the Lord. They just love it. I remember I was in a church some time ago. There were, there were about two older men. These men were old. They were probably in their late 60s. You know what I, where I found them? You don't expect old, older men in the children's church. But you know I, I found them with the children. They love it. They love it. You could see those men. You wouldn't know how old they are. Because when they found us in the midst of the children, they were just having the feel of their lives. That's what they wanted to be. Understanding your deepest passion, your deepest desire. They were not drafted, they drafted themselves. They just found this is what I love to do. And many of us are like that. We have found something. Some of us are great helpers. We just love to help. We just love to help. Whatever is going on, you, you're always there. You always want to find out is there anything missing? Let me just provide it. Have you noticed that there are people like that? They just love to help, they are not frontliners. They can't be number one. But they found out that my key area is to be of assistance to somebody. They're looking for where to help. Where to, I found brothers like that. They just want to help in any way they can. 
And you know what? When they help, they don't feel the heat. How many of us know that when some people help, they go back door and they say, ah, why did I come here today? But these people will help. And they're willing to do more. And more. And more. Passion for their lives. May the Lord bring us into the recognize, into the cognizance of the passion of God for our lives. In the name of Jesus. Number three. What is the witness of the Holy Spirit inside you? What is the witness of what? Of the Holy Spirit inside you. What is the witness of the Spirit? Many times, as believers, we need to understand that the Bible says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. That is the bearing of the witness. When the Holy Spirit is tugging your heart about something, the Holy Spirit won't leave you. It will keep saying it to you. You may stop him, you may try, you may wave it away, but the Holy Spirit is going to come back. You know why? Because the Spirit of God knows the secrets of God. Do we understand what I'm talking about tonight? The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10. The Bible says, for the Spirit searches all things. That was a searches. The Spirit is a searcher. Searches all things. Yet the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit understands the deep things of God. And wants to reveal to us the deep things of God for our lives. There are several ways by which the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us the deep things of God. And he wants us to listen. He will come with this small voice. The Spirit of God could come in visions and in dreams. I'm not sure what I'm talking about. There are certain visions you had in your life. You had them year after year. And they never left you. Am I communicating to somebody tonight? They never left you. In fact, in the natural, you feel you are inadequate to do what he's revealing to you. How many of us have been through what I'm talking about? You feel inadequate to handle what he's revealing to you. But because if it's of God, you know what is going to happen? It will provide the ability. Hallelujah. It will provide what? The ability. It will provide. Look at the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I'm a young man. What are you telling me to do? And God said, don't say it anymore. I will fill you up. When you open your mouth, I will fill it up. Go to the house of Israel. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you uprooted will be uprooted. That's what the Lord can do. I want to appeal to us tonight. I want us to go back home. I'm going to continue next time on this. But I want us to go back home with a zest in our heart tonight. With the zeal of God in our heart. Lord, what is it? And if you have found it, begin to pray. That the Lord will reveal to you in its entirety the dimension of his purpose for your life. Before I close tonight, this is one aspect we usually miss when we talk about divine purpose. But I'm not going to miss this. As many of us that are born again tonight, the ultimate plan of God is one thing. I many of us know what I'm talking about? There's an ultimate plan of God. Do you know what it is? The ultimate plan of God. How many of us know is Christ-likeness? Is that right, everybody? That is the ultimate plan of God. That in your area of domain, he wants you to be Christ-like. As a mechanic, you are a mechanic with the Christ life demonstrating to the world the kingdom life. Christ likeness. As a teacher, God wants us to exhibit the nature of Christ 
as a teacher. As a nurse, God wants to exhibit a nature of Christ in your area of functionality, in your domain. Christ-likeness is the ultimate. That is a revolving point to everything you're going to discover. This is where I'm going tonight. There is no way the purpose of God will lead you into sin. That's where I'm going. Are we listening to what I'm saying tonight? You cannot discover purpose that will drive you into ungodliness. It is impossible. It will lead you higher. It will lead you all to go over in the things of God. Let's rise up to pray tonight. I'm going to continue next time from where we stopped tonight. I want us to start on a bit by bit. But I believe tonight that the Lord is faithful. This might not be the first time we're going to hear this, but the truth about the matter is God wants us to be fulfilled. Let's open our eyes and look at me before we pray. Hallelujah. How many of us have ever wondered, how many of us have ever asked this question? Is this how I'm going to live my life? How many of us have ever wondered? Wake up, go to work, come back, wake up, go to work, come back, eat, sleep, wake up, come back. Now, there should be more. Hallelujah. There should be what? There should be more. Can we go to the Lord tonight? And say, Lord, I thank you. For I came to the world for a purpose. You sent me and posted me to my family for a divine purpose. Lord, you sent me with this pigmentation of my skin because there's an area of domain where this will work. Lord, I want to thank you tonight because I've been posted to the world for a reason. I may be young, but Lord, there is a plan for my life. There is a purpose for my life. Some of us have been called to sing. Every day you wake up, there is a strong passion. I'm not talking about your hobby. I'm talking about passion. To lead others in the area of their destiny. Let's speak to the Lord and I say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for helping me to know that there is more to life than food and raiment. That there is more to life than living long and having children. Those things are great. They're wonderful. But I wonder if any of us know the son or the daughter of Paul the Apostle today. Do we? Do we know his son or his daughter? Paul the Apostle. Maybe you remember you found his cloak somewhere that was left somewhere. But we all can read about it. It's impacting our lives day and night. That's purpose. Can we just say to the Lord, I thank you. I give you glory. Worship you tonight. I exhort you tonight. Glorify your name tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. We're going to pray tonight.